Greetings. This podcast is for worship October 20th. Uh, Welcome to uh, Bethlehem and Zion worship. We began our worship that day with a call to worship from Psalm 150. We had a lot of fun with this in worship with uh, people banging on musical instruments and ringing bells and and making all sorts of joyful noise to the Lord. So um, imagine some of that uh, as we read through this first psalm. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his surpassing greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with sing strings and pipe. Praise him with clanging cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Holy God, your word is life and your blessings infinite. Fill us with such jubilance at your generosity that we cannot help but celebrate and that all the world might know the joy that belongs to the children of God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Our scripture reading came from 2 Samuel. When all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, Look, we are your bone and flesh. For some time, while Saul was king over us, it was you who had led Israel out and brought it in. The Lord said to you, It is you who shall be shepherd of my people Israel, you who shall be ruler over Israel. So all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. David was thirty years old when he began to reign, and he reigned forty years. At Hebron he reigned over Judah seven years and six months, and at Jerusalem he reigned over all Israel and Judah thirty-three years. David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, thirty thousand. David and all the people with him set out and went from Baal of Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who is enthroned on the cherubim. They carried the ark of God on a new cart, and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, were driving the new cart with the ark of God, and Ahio went in front of the ark. David and all the house of Israel were dancing before the Lord with all their might, with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. And our accompanying gospel was from Mark. Many people spread their cloaks cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. The presence of God. That's really what David is celebrating here and what we're going to talk about in this message. You can see from the readings why we played musical instruments at the beginning. This is a great celebration of God's presence returning to the people. The first part of our reading today tells about David's anointing as king. The second part moves ahead in the story quite a few years after the first. This second part of the story might seem a bit strange to us. An ark? Wasn't that a big boat? And why does it warrant a parade and dancing and singing? Well, yes, the boat was one kind of ark, but this is a different ark. This ark is more like a big cabinet that they would put on uh, some type of carrier, pole carrier, uh, to move it. In this ark were the scrolls of Torah, God's law, the law that Moses received 
at Mount Sinai. For the Jewish people, Torah represented the very presence of God. This scene in the second part of our reading shows the return of God's presence to the people of Israel. The ark had been captured by Israel's enemies. He got moved around from city to city in enemy land, but caused all sorts of troubles in those places because it was not where it belonged. David and the people of Israel were dancing and singing because the ark is back home. The presence of God is back. This event also marks the end of years of civil war in Israel and war between Israel and the Philistines. The Philistines were defeated. Israel's first king, Saul, was defeated. David now reigns over a united nation, and the presence and blessing of God are back in Jerusalem. All is right with the world. That seems worthy of a parade. Okay, so the presence of God especially seems worthy of celebration. So maybe we should have an ark. Where is our ark? Well, here's the thing. While we still appreciate God's law, and while much of God's law still can guide us, for us, the presence of God is not found there, because Jesus came to us as God in person. God actually became present to the world as a flesh and blood human being, Jesus. But Jesus, that flesh and blood human being, isn't with us as flesh and blood now. He rose from the dead and ascended to the heaven. Really, that's impossible to understand or explain, but what it does do is make him available to be present to us now in a different way. So where is the presence of God now? Well, it's here in the church, in the bread and wine of communion. It's in the proclaimed word of the gospel. And the presence of God is in us. It's in those of us gathered as the church. And the presence of God doesn't just hang out in here. The presence of God goes with us when we leave here. And when we leave here, we find that the presence of God is already out there, too. Over these last few days, I had a pretty good presence of God experience. Tuesday night, I left to meet a group of people from around the Nebraska Synod to help repair flood-damaged houses in Lynch, Nebraska. I got back Saturday afternoon. Sometimes the presence of God looks like guys with tool belts and fancy saws and lots of knowledge and experience in in construction. Other times the presence of God looks like people who haven't a clue about construction, but are willing to learn and want to help. Anyone want to venture a guess as to which category I'm in? We spent three and a half days in Lynch. The group was divided into four teams. Three teams worked in Lynch and one went to Niobrara. I was in Lynch working at the home of an older couple whose little house had been buried by three to four feet of water and mud. Lynch is a tiny town that slopes down toward Ponca Creek, a tributary of the Missouri that runs north of the Niobrara River. A big chunk of the town closest to the creek was inundated with floodwaters and gigantic blocks of ice on March 13th. Houses that had never flooded before were buried in water and mud. Most people didn't have flood insurance. Flood insurance is expensive, and either their homes where they didn't were where they didn't need it, or they didn't have a mortgage that made it so they had to have it. This mission group from the Synod has been to Lynch had been to Lynch in June to begin the repair and rebuilding process, so this was their second time there. I mudded and sanded drywall in a bathroom, I put on doorknobs on the new doors our team hung. I made a long trip to Menards in Norfolk to get materials that weren't available closer. I did assorted other jobs that could, we, could be quickly learned and not too easily messed up. There were 26 of us. The group was led by Pastor Becky Beckman, who serves three churches in and around Newman Grove. She and the core members of our group are the Synod's primary mission trip group. 
They've been bringing the presence of God to areas hit by floods, hurricanes, and tornadoes for 10 years. But there's more to this than just the work. We also listen to people's stories. We learned about, those, about their lives and how those lives were changed on March 13th. And when you listen to people's stories, you learn that the presence of God was already in Lynch and Niobrara and all the other places so badly affected. God's presence was there before volunteers ever got there, before the National Guard got there, before even FEMA got there. One of the homes part of our group worked on was the home of the Lynch fire chief and his family. When the floods hit, even though their own house was underwater, they worked for three days solid without sleep to help get people to a safe, dry place. That is the presence of God. The presence of God was also with the people who were helpless in the face of the floods. There simply is nothing we can ever face where God is not already present. You can see the presence of God in the resilience of people who had lost everything. You can hear it in the stories they tell, whether they ever mention God or not. We began and ended every day with a devotion led by different small groups. One evening, Pastor Becky had us each talk about a way we'd been blessed that day and how we passed that blessing on. The fire chief and his family were with us that evening. There were some powerful things shared in our circle. The family felt blessed by knowing that people hadn't forgotten about their plight and still wanted to help. But the volunteers all also expressed how blessed they felt by being there. We were blessed by the stories we heard and the people we met. We were blessed by people who let us into their lives at their most vulnerable time. As we shared around the circle that evening, the presence of God could be powerfully felt. One man shared that he felt that our experience had to be pretty close to what the kingdom of God looked like. After we finished devotions that night, the mom in this family shared with one of the volunteers how surprised the family was that the volunteers felt blessed. In their mind, the blessing went one way, and they were the recipients. But any of you who's ever done volunteer or mission work know that's not how it works. The blessing goes both ways. When you do mission work, you will likely receive at least as much as you give, and you will know you've been in the presence of God. God's promise to David and the people of Israel was that God would meet them in those treasured words in the Ark of the Covenant. Jesus' promise to us is that he will come to us in the bread and wine of communion and in the proclaimed gospel, proclaimed word of the gospel. But as Jesus tells us in Matthew's gospel, he will also meet us in the faces of the hungry, the thirsty, the sick, the poor, the prisoners, and the people who have lost everything in a flood. Of course, we have all been in the presence of God this week because we're never not. But those of us who went to Lynch experienced one of those thin places, places where the distance between us and the kingdom of God seems very thin. And that's a place where the presence of God is worthy of celebration. Amen. To guide your prayers this week, I would suggest praying for continued recovery and support for those in Lynch, Nebraska, Niobrara, Nebraska, and throughout the state of Nebraska and the Midwest where flood damage has been so severe. Uh, we would also pray for uh, prayers for protection for those areas as we go into the winter and into the next spring. Um, help and pray that uh, they would that God may allay some of their fears and hopefully protect them for, for, from further flooding next spring. Thank you for uh, listening in on this podcast.